The following program is paid for by Busey Bank. It's time for Money Talk, your chance to call in and receive answers to all your financial questions, from investment management to planning for your retirement and beyond. The experts at Busey Wealth Management are here to help, so you don't have to navigate these difficult financial decisions alone. The views expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station. Call in now, 356-9397. And now here is Money Talk. All right, good morning and welcome to Busey's Money Talk. I'm your host, Aaron Sutton, Portfolio Manager here at Busey Wealth Management, uh, located in Champaign-Urbana. And today I got two great guests with me, so I'm really excited about this show. Uh, we've got Thaddeus Yasunaga. He's a Chartered Financial Analyst Charter Holder and a Portfolio Manager as well. And we have Karen Walker. Uh, she's a Wealth Advisor and also located here in Champaign-Urbana. So. Good morning, Thaddeus and Karen. Welcome to our annual tournament edition show. I uh, hope you guys are doing well and hope you got your brackets filled out. Good morning. Good to be here. Hi, Aaron. Yeah, good morning. All right, so we're going to jump right into it. As always, uh, what's great about this job and this show is there's always plenty to talk about. Uh, there's always news that's impacting the markets or something's happening somewhere in the world that we can talk about. Uh, so with that, I don't want to waste too much time, so we're going to jump right into it. And Thaddeus, uh, maybe if you can, just uh, kind of bring us up to speed on maybe what's happening out there and some of the things you're seeing going on in the market. Uh, sure, absolutely. Uh, well, um, you know, stocks stocks continue to do extremely well. Uh, so, so far this month, we're up about 4%, and that's including a little bit uh, of what we're giving up today here. Uh, S&P is down about uh, a half a percent or so right now, um, but for the month, uh, we're up close to 4%, as I mentioned, and then for the year, we're up about 6.1%. 6. Uh, 6. Um, so very strong performance uh, out of the U.S. stock market. Um, I think there's been an, an interesting trend here year-to-date, really, um, for for the past six months or so, right around the beginning of September, we started to see those um, a bit of a rotation. And when they say rotation, um, sort of the stocks that are doing well have been changing. Uh, so here more recently, we've been seeing what are often called value stocks uh, leading the way. Uh, these are uh, a lot of like financials and banks uh, are considered financial stocks or sorry, value stocks. Uh, a lot in general, a value stock is, is something that is considered cheap by some sort of financial measure. So that can mean that can mean having high dividend yields. That can mean um, having a low price relative to earnings uh, or high book value relative to to price. But you know, across a variety of financial measures, they are the the cheaper stocks are what would be considered cheap. And that's in contrast to what are often described as growth stocks. These are stocks that may you know, appear expensive, uh, so you have to maybe pay a pretty high price uh, relative to the earnings, um, but those stocks generally would have and, and, and historically have had higher revenue growth, uh, higher earnings growth uh, going forward. So you know, when we talk about value stocks, we think of things like maybe Citigroup, you know, a large, large bank and established financial institution, and contrast that with a name like Amazon uh, that's growing a lot, 
um, you know, revenue growth in double digits uh, and expected to continue to grow revenue in the, in the future. So uh, those value stocks uh, really started doing well back when I think the vaccine and the real positive news around the vaccine came out back in September. And as we're starting to see the vaccine be, dis- be distributed, those stocks are continuing to do really well here this year. Uh, airlines also, you know, would, would, would fall in that category. A lot of the more cyclical stocks uh, that are more sensitive to the economic conditions are doing really well. And I wouldn't say those growth stocks are doing poorly, but they have sort of flattened off. So Amazon and Apple, you know, those kind of big technology names are are essentially, you know, flat for the past six months. Uh, so, so very strong ro- rotation. Uh, and then just overall pretty good uh, performance uh, all around in the in the stock market. Yeah, so Thaddeus, you know, related to that, this kind of growth versus value and what we see happening in the market, uh, you know, a lot of, I would say, uh, beginner investors or maybe people that don't have a lot of market experience, uh, you know, when they hear growth stock and they hear about companies maybe growing their earnings faster, as you said, they tend to think maybe that's where they should put all their money uh, into growth stocks or growth funds because uh, they kind of intuitively think that they're, they're just going to do better. Um, but as you mentioned, uh, we have rotations like this. Uh, so maybe put that into perspective. Uh, is that kind of normal for the market to go through cycles like this where one does better versus the other and maybe kind of long-term, uh, how do they compare to each other? Yeah. Yeah, no, we often see periods uh, and and it's, you know, when we do group them together, they do seem to behave pretty similarly. Uh, so even for example, today, uh, you know, Apple is, is down uh, today, Amazon, you know, many of those growth oriented companies are down together. And then we often do see like banks as a whole. So not necessarily one particular bank uh, over another, but all of them, you know, tend to do well on, on a given day like this, uh, where we see value stocks doing particularly well. So. The, so they, they do appear to sort of um, fall into these groups or categories. Now that's not that's not set in stone, um, but that that often um, does does tend to happen in the market. And we do go through periods where one type of one category of stocks tend to do really well. Um, so really, over the past I would say five years or so, we have seen those growth-oriented stocks do exceptionally well. Uh, and value value oriented stocks have really lagged, and that's why when we talk about this rotation, it really did just start in, in September, and and maybe has you know a long way to go, um, but but certainly you know those two groups of stocks do the performance does vary over time. Now when we look back, you know we have a lot of data, and if we look back, you know we have a hundred years or so worth of data uh, for the U.S. market. That's pretty good, and historically those value stocks tend to have done a little better. Uh, than growth stocks. Um, again, I don't think history necessarily has to repeat all the time, but historically, investors tend to overpay for growth. Uh, you know, they, they're described, you know, Lakana Shock and some, some famous researchers describe them as glamour stocks. So we like, we like to buy stocks with really good stories that uh, seem to be doing extremely well and and you know, and they often do well. So growth stocks do have higher growth. It's just investors, historically at least, have tended to overpay for that growth. Uh, and as a result, the returns don't necessarily match the growth of those companies. 
in contrast, some of these value stocks, you know, stocks that have really high dividends, for example, don't really need to grow their business much or grow revenue to really give a pretty good return uh, to investors. Uh, and so um, it's not, it certainly isn't that one is just going to categorically be better than the other. I think we, you know, we at Busey follow a very balanced approach between those two. Um, but you, you do find, I think, historically speaking, that, um, that those value stocks do tend, have historically outperformed. Uh, and, um, and um, you know, it's not necessarily just contingent upon the success of the business or revenue growth. The price you pay becomes a very critical aspect or, or uh, a very, very big part of what your return will be. Uh, so if you do overpay, you may be disappointed. Uh, similarly, if you can get a get a a good business, you know, not not a not a business that's going to near bankruptcy, for example, but if you can buy a good business for for a very good price, you know, you may, you can have very good returns uh, even without you know significant revenue or earnings growth. Yeah, that, that that's a great summary. So yeah, thanks for that, Thaddeus. And I I think that's a key point you hit on at the end. There is really you've got to separate the investment from the business and realize what you're paying for that investment. Because like you said, you can have a, a great company that's grown their earnings uh, fantastically, but if you pay for too much for it, uh, you could end up with a bad outcome as far as what your return might be. All right, so maybe uh, in the next five minutes here or so before our break, uh, let's maybe switch gears a little bit because uh, not only is there a rotation happening on the equity side of the market, we're seeing kind of a big rotation on the fixed income side of the market, meaning uh, we're starting to see rates rise, and uh, we had a Fed meeting yesterday that uh, a lot of people are looking to to kind of see what the Fed's thinking about things. So, uh, yeah, maybe if you can for the next few minutes, kind of bring us up to date on on what's happening on the bond side of the market. Yeah, certainly uh, yields or or the bond market has been where the action really has been uh, here. So, a very dramatic increase in uh, in uh, long term yields uh, in particular. So. For example, the 10-year the U.S. Treasury is up, or the yield on that um, started the year right around nine-tenths of a percent, and I think as of today, it is already over 1.7%. Um, so nearly doubling uh, of the yield uh, here in a, in a very short period of time. So uh, very dramatic uh, rise in rates. And, and when that happens, you know, we see bond prices fall uh, as those yields increase in value. So if you if you owned a treasury at uh, a 10-year treasury and it was paying about 1%, you know, as that as the yield increases, you know, the treasury will issue a new 10-year and a similar maturity bond. That bond yields 2%. Well, if you try to get someone to buy your 1% yielding bond, um, they're generally going to pay you less, uh, or you would expect them to pay you less, to the tune of around, you know, 8 or 9% less. So a, a fairly significant chase, change in bond prices. And that, that occurs without having any defaults. So we haven't really seen, particularly in high-quality uh, bonds, uh, treasuries agencies, uh, and then high-quality corporates, we haven't seen any defaults, but bond, bond prices are down. If you look at like a bond fund performance, it's going to be negative. And again, that's simply because um, investors are demanding higher, higher yields, and those existing bonds are going to uh, the price down or the price is going to decrease to, to compensate for that increase in yield. Um, you know, I, I, I think, and particularly for our client base and, and for every investor, 
uh, higher yields are a good thing. So um, that means as we are investing in those markets, as bonds mature and we reinvest, uh, we are getting more interest income. And I, I think that's a very good thing that makes investing easier and makes it easier to, to meet your financial goals. It sort of reduces the need to take uh, you know, a lot of risk, whether that be in the stock market or be in, in the bond market as well. And, and I think it's, it certainly is a good thing for investors and, and a bit of a relief to see. Um, now, the, the rising rates, um, you know, there's no shortage of opinions as to why that's occurring. You know, certainly the reopening of the economy, I think, has an influence on that. There are higher inflation expectations, so people or investors are anticipating higher inflation going forward than we've seen in the past. Um, you know, some of that may be related to the stimulus. Um, however, you know, we still do have a lot of unemployment. Uh, I think stimulus uh, checks and the, and the stimulus in the economy, you know, will certainly lead to higher inflation temporarily. I think Jerome, uh, uh, the Reserve Chair uh, Powell, certainly highlighted that yesterday during his speech that we do expect to see, um, at least particularly in the summer into the rest of the year, higher inflation. Part of it is just because we're going to have uh, – we have we – had, prices decrease, so deflation back in the first quarter of last year, and we're going to roll off of that. And so you're going to see, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see headline inflation of, of 4% this year. Um, but it's, it's still up in the air whether that will continue at higher rates than it has historically as we get into the, to the years to come. Yep. And, you know, to that point, there was actually a report out this morning uh, that kind of reinforces really all those points you just made about, you know, the economy reopening, inflation maybe picking up. Uh, we got a report from the Federal Reserve Bank on Philadelphia area manufacturing, and that hit the highest level since 1973. Also, too, in the survey, uh, these managers of these manufacturing facilities, uh, they noted that prices for paid for materials have soared to a 41-year high. So they're seeing prices increase uh, for their inputs. Uh, and then also, too, within that survey, uh, about 54% of the respondents stated uh, that they had to raise wages uh, to address the labor shortage that they're seeing. So, yeah, yeah. that report, like I said, kind of hits all those topics you just, you just uh, illustrated right there. All right, so with that, uh, let's take a quick break here. Uh, and then when we come back, we're going to talk with Karen uh, a little bit about financial planning and specifically uh, retirement income planning. This year you've had to pivot. Working from home, mastering an online classroom for your children, staying connected virtually. At Busey Bank, we're right beside you, offering contact-free banking services through Busey Mobile and Busey.com. Whenever you want, wherever you are, Busey Bank, a proud partner of the Fighting Illini, a champion for purpose and progress since 1868, member FDIC. You're a champion of your community, contributing to the success of local businesses, supporting neighbors through challenging times, volunteering to serve kids and families. At Busey Bank, we are proud to be part of your team, reinvesting in our neighborhoods and enriching our communities. Busey Bank, a proud partner of the Fighting Illini, a champion for purpose and progress since 1868, member FDIC. All right, welcome back. You're listening to Busey's Money Talk. Uh, I'm your host today, Aaron Sutton, and we also have Thaddeus and Karen with us. 
And for this half of the show, we're going to talk with Karen Walker. She's one of our private wealth advisors here at Busey. And on this show, you know, a lot of times we talk about financial planning, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, but we're going to really hone in on the key aspect and uh, really what people uh, want to focus on, and that's uh, income planning for retirement. Uh, now, I know there's a lot of rules of thumb out there when it comes to this. Uh, I think one that gets thrown out there quite a bit is maybe needing 80% of your pre-retirement income uh, once you get into retirement. Uh, but what I want to do today uh, with you, Karen, is maybe uh, really kind of walk through maybe the process and some of the things we look at uh, when we're working with clients to plan for their retirement. So maybe if we could just start out, maybe uh, hit some of the highlights of uh, some of the things you may have a conversation with about a client and uh, some of those aspects that you like to focus on. Sure. Thanks, Erin. So uh, when I have a client that comes in and wants to talk about um, retirement, I think a, a key factor that we need to look at is uh, if they don't have a financial plan in place, is really working on that financial plan. So that financial plan uh, can kind of, you know, tell us or illustrate for us, um, you know, how much income is, uh, you know, going to be needed in retirement. It takes a look at that, uh, your retirement lifestyle or, you know, budget you're going to have, um, really does a deep dive into healthcare costs, uh, you know, and other insurance costs. Then, uh, you know, some other questions that we may ask is what does, uh, you know, kind of your longevity or lifespan look like so that we can make, uh, you know, projections as to how long you think, you know, you're going to need that money in retirement. Uh, the other thing we'll look at is kind of all those uh, assets that uh, will go into uh, retirement, such as Social Security. Uh, do you have other pensions? Are we looking at, you know, individual retirement accounts? Um, what those required minimum distributions might look like? Um, so really pulling together all those income sources, uh, you know, in retirement. Um, and then, you know, we have to be considerate of, um, tax planning as well. So all of those things really mm -hmm. go into, into the financial plan. Uh, and it's, it's really a great tool, um, that brings, uh, a, our clients, a you know, great peace of mind when looking, um, you know, at, is this, you know, can I retire? Is this a good time to retire type thing? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, like you said, by really looking at all of those areas, you know, plugging it into some of the software we had, and then really also just using, you know, your experience, our other advisors, uh, just working with clients, uh, kind of what they've seen work and, and what hasn't worked, um, really is, you know, absolutely the best way to do it versus trying to use uh, some rule of thumb. Um, so you mentioned a couple things there that I maybe want to drill down into a little bit, uh, and that's Social Security uh, and pensions, uh, because these are two things really that can have a tremendous impact on somebody's retirement, and it's really, it's kind of a choice you got to make, and you kind of have a, you know, just one chance to get it right, really. Um, you know, some of these decisions uh, are irreversible, especially with like a pension, you know, choosing a lump sum versus annuity option or choosing your survivor benefit. So, Karen, maybe if you can, maybe just uh, expand on that a little bit and, and maybe how you talk through some of those choices with clients. 
Sure. So um, if you're one of those Americans that has uh, has a job and is paid into Social Security, um, and you know you're thinking that uh, it's time to retire, uh, a lot of our clients will say, you know, when should I when should I take my Social Security? So um, on average, Social Security beneficiaries receive about 40% of their um, you know, working income. Uh, although workers can claim benefits before full retirement age, uh, which is, could be as early as 62, um, the, the big question is should they? So um, it could result in lower benefits as much as 25 to 30% lower benefits if you take that early, you know, retirement, uh, if you look at that early retirement age. But uh, if we look at a scenario, let's say you're born in 1960, you're eligible to start your benefits at the age of 62. Uh, while you're in full retirement age is 67, uh, you know, if you take that uh, Social Security benefit at the age of, you know, 62, you're looking at, like I said, reducing those benefits 25 to 30%. But let's say you wait until age 70 to sign up and begin those uh, benefits, you're looking at an increase of about 24%. So, um, you know, you can contribute to working also while receiving a Social Security benefit, but you definitely want to monitor those earnings. So in, in 2021, we had a limit of uh, $18,960 um, on earned income for recipients below that full retirement age, um, and then uh, a, a limit of 50520 uh, in the year you reach full retirement age. So um, it can definitely benefit you to, to wait till age you know, 70 to receive those benefits. And that's the other thing the financial plan can do is um, you know, when we're looking at that scenario, uh, what what do we need to fill the gap? Exactly. Yeah, that's a big focus. Is yeah, when when that income is going to be needed, how much of that income is going to be needed? Uh, you know, big variables that that we're able to plug in there. Uh, and then with pensions, you know, we have some really nice tools. Uh, we use this a lot, actually. Uh, one of the, the big employers in town uh, ended their pension plan, and so we helped a lot of people make a decision between whether to take a lump sum or the annuity option. And we have some really nice tools that really allow us to kind of calculate a required return. Uh, and what I mean by that is what return would they have to earn on their lump sum to make that option better than maybe the annuity option? And we can kind of play around with some scenarios there, like you mentioned before, longevity obviously is a big variable there. So we can plug in some different life expectancies and get an idea there. So again, these are just yep. uh, things that we help people all the time with. And um, you know, we've, we've got a lot of experience at it. Uh, so what I'd like to do here, maybe uh, the last few minutes, obviously, you know, the things we've talked about already, social security, pension, um, those are big decisions. And then the other big one is obviously with your savings, what's the appropriate allocation you should have in retirement? Meaning, what's that mix between stocks and bonds and you know all the other asset classes we use? And again, there's lots of rules of thumb there. You know, to people 
typically believe that you have to get you know conservative uh, once you reach retirement with those investments, uh, but that may not always be the case. So, uh, Karen, maybe if you will, um, kind of walk us through uh, some of the things we look at there and uh, maybe some of the ways we allocate assets for our clients. Sure. So, um, as you mentioned, a lot of clients will come in, um, you know, they're getting ready to retire. They're asking, you know, should I adjust my portfolio? Should I be more conservative? Um, should I have more income generating, um, you know, dividends and interest in my portfolio uh, type vehicles? So, um, when we look at that kind of, you know, yield uh, producing uh, portfolio, uh, it's it's uh, trying to, you know, they they oftentimes want to keep that principle intact so that they're creating this income stream uh, and strictly living off of that income income stream. But what they fail to do, or what you know, they what is secondary is the growth aspects of the portfolio. So we kind of take that total return approach where we are looking at um, not only the interest and dividends that the portfolio will generate, but also, you know, looking at capital gains and how those distributions are realized over time. So it really focuses on the, on the growth of the portfolio over time. Um, and so you know, we've had these great runs in the market. Maybe it's time to look at uh, trimming or reducing some of those positions. Um, you know, that then we, you know, can utilize that for cash um, as needed. You know, like I said, in that kind of maybe gap period, um, you know, before full Social Security. Um, but it, you know, sitting down and really reviewing and looking at those, um and and you know possibly you know rebalancing a portfolio um is really key you know is really important and we we recommend that you do that um you know on an, an, an at least an annual basis yeah and that that's a great point you hit on there is really that idea of switching from saving and building your assets to now you got to start spending down your assets and i think that's just kind of a hard switch for people to make. And like you said, it tends to lead them to want to just produce all their spending needs from the income side of the portfolio, uh, which, as you said, can lead to some bad results and cause you to be concentrated and not quite as diversified uh, as you may want to be. Um, so it looks like we've got a few more minutes here. Uh, one last thing I, I want to be sure to hit on is uh, I know it's something that you're um, very passionate about and work a lot with clients about, and that's you know, properly titling accounts and assets and getting your wills uh, and trust in order. Uh, so maybe just hit on that here in the last few minutes. Sure. So um, a lot of times our clients will ask us in their estate planning, you know, do I, do I need a trust document? Um, uh, you know, sometimes yes, you do. Uh, it, it's all part of the, you know, estate planning, what the, you know, what that looks like uh, from an income tax standpoint. Um, and the important thing with that is uh, because you have, you know, if you, if you elect to go the trust uh, route, uh, one half of that is, is, you know, 
the attorney preparing the trust document. Uh, a lot of times clients think that I've got the trust, I'm done. Nope. Now yep. we've got to go title all of those accounts, um, you know, all of those registered accounts in the name of the trust. So you're fifty percent exactly. done when you've got the trust document. Now we've got to finish, you know. Now we've got to to finish the race, so to speak. So it's important that um, you know you look at uh, those those assets that need to be titled in the name of the trust. So it could be um, you know a vehicle registration, uh, and we do have some clients that have um, you know car collections. So it's making sure that those collections are titled in the name of the trust. It's making sure that your home is titled in the name of your trust, bank accounts brokerage accounts, um, you know, those type of things. So that, um, you know, those avoid probate and, um, you know, just kind of pass uh, appropriately to the named beneficiaries in your trust. Yeah, I'm glad you hit on that because uh, that last step is just as important as setting up that trust, like you said. If you don't get the things titled in there, well, then it kind of makes your trust, you know, somewhat pointless if you don't properly fulfill it. So. All right. Well, right. thank you. Uh, looks like we're coming up at the top of the hour here. So thanks, Karen and Thaddeus. Uh, great show as always. Um, and yeah, thanks to our audience for joining us today. Uh, if you would like to speak with one of our advisors, we're always happy to help out in any way. Uh, so please call us today at 217-365-4800. And you've been listening to Busey Money Talk on News Talk uh, 1400 WDWS in Champaign-Urbana.